Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And on the phone with us today, we have Chef Pandarina Sumas, who uh, is going by Chef Pan or Chef Pan Su, which I think sounds super fancy, Chef. <laughs> Thanks for joining us <laughs> today. Uh- combination of both names, I guess, to kind of keep it all there, since the name is so unusual, first and last name. So well, so <laughs> let's talk about this, because um, for my listeners out there, uh, Chef Pan wrote a cookbook, and it really is about the heritage of her family, uh, Creole flavors, family recipes, and I just feel like it kind of talks to the spirit of Louisiana. And it does. Uh, it does. in your book, you talk about your family in New Orleans and then uh, you're up in North Louisiana. And I feel like it's, you know, we're sometimes we, we play the game of, oh, well, New Orleans is different than other parts of the state. But then we realize that families have been scattered all over the place. And Absolutely. Absolutely. We have so much in common. So talk a little bit for our listeners about, you know, your, how did, did you just get interested in tracing your family roots and that's how this came together? Or? Uh, way, oh, we're talking probably when I was a teenager. Like I said, my father was military, so we did have the advantages of traveling. But though we had, had advantages of traveling, we spent uh, an enormous amount of time in New Orleans because that is home for both of us. My father is originally from the Mandeville, Covington area. And, of course, moved to New Orleans after his uh, his parents passed away, and uh, he was a teenager. However, um, traveling with my father, he went to a lot of places we could not go, so where did we stay? In New Orleans, you know, with, with grandparents and aunts and uncles and just that, that rooting of family. Uh, coming up, I don't... I didn't realize I was learning, but, you know, I was always around the older, uh, you know, great-grandmother, great-aunts. For some reason, they were always either cooking at the church or cooking. And a lot of times, you know, I would put up a fuss, you know, say, for instance, um, getting ready to make crawfish bisque, you know, having to clean the crawfish and, you know, having to stuff them. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go outside. (laughs) That's too much work, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's too much work. I see what y'all have, you know, that's before all the technology and they'd have the little places at the table, you know, no, you need to come over here and do this and uh, clean, wash. I was like, I want to go outside and play jacks. I don't want to be in here. And, you know, but I ended up doing it, and then if, if you hear, just do this right here, and then you can go outside. And then if we went to an aunt's house, she was either fixing uh, crawfish succotash or uh, getting ready to do pralines for the church bazaar. You know, I was always around it. And then when it kind of hit me as I got older, and my father got stationed here in North Louisiana at Barksdale Air Force Base, and of course after I went to college, had my son, I moved back to New Orleans, and then, of course, I moved back up here. And I, I didn't even realize, even in being in the state of Louisiana, and, of course, being up here in North Louisiana, I ran, I've met and ran into many people that were from South Louisiana, from, say, Lafayette on down because of the military. But it didn't hit me until I started going to maybe, you know, functions and barbecues, that the state was divided in half with food and culture. It yes. blew my mind. So it literally blew. It still blows my mind, but you know, it really blew it then because we didn't have the technology we have. And they'd say, "Oh, I'm from um, 
I don't know, they might say they're from Lafayette. And I say, oh, you know, I had uh, my grandmother, great-grandmother was born in Valle Lafourche. And, you know, I'd say I have some lineage out of Homa. And they'd say, oh, and then they would, uh, someone would say, oh, we're going to come on over. We're having pinto beans. Well, I never had pinto beans when I was growing up. And they looked at me like, well, where in the hell are you from? Right. So let's talk about this division in the state. And, you know, where in your mind is this, this, Line and what are the flavors that are influencing the different parts of the state? Uh, up here, in fact, I just told someone just the last several years, a very dear chef friend of mine up here. In fact, when I run across people, they'll say, oh, well, even in my catering, you know, I strictly keep it branded as Creole. Mm-hmm. Now, you have Cajun Creole restaurants up here, and I've eaten at a few. The food is good. I say it's different, and different does not mean bad at all. It's just different, you know. Whether we use and I have, uh, different spices or not, maybe a little bit more of this. And through my great grandmother out of South Louisiana, I have a Haitian background. Her ancestry came from the Haitian slave trade. So that's another infusion, of course, out of New Orleans with the melting pot. But up here in North Louisiana, it's more of a, and I know somebody from North Louisiana is going to send me an ugly email when I say this, but. Um, it's more of a Texas lifestyle, and they mm-hmm. do more of your um, your peas and greens and a lot of freshwater catfish. Um, they have something up here I'd never had. Well, again, we're talking back in the 80s before I left. My father, uh, someone said, oh, come on over. We're having hot water cornbread. I didn't know what that was. Me either. I was like, what? I never cornbread. had it. Ever, <laughs> uh, and then to show you how to make sure that I wasn't, I thought maybe, well, maybe because my father was military, and we traveled, maybe there's something I missed, but I, I didn't think so because we spent a lot of times in New Orleans, you know, because we had to stay there and go to school if my father was somewhere we could not go or could not join him immediately. So I started, I was befriending a lot of people, again, moved up here due to a job transfer or basically, quote unquote, the military base that's here. A lot of people that were from Lafayette, anything below Alexandria. So I would check with them. I said, have you ever had hot water cornbread? They said, uh-uh, never heard of it until it moved up here. So tell our listener, what is hot water cornbread? Because this is crazy to me because I cooked up in Shreveport, and the chef who I cooked with put on the menu. And I know that, exactly. The, well, the chef that I'm talking about is Chef Hardet. She's a personal friend of mine. And they're like, oh, hot water cornbread. And cornbread, I'm like, yes. I don't know what She's, that is. She taught me. I helped her. I, we we work with each other all the time, and you know, and she's intrigued with a lot of a lot of the South Louisiana stuff, and then the the fact that you know, because sometimes she'll jokingly, but yet in a marketing, she says, you know, even though we're in the whole state of Louisiana, she said, you know, she said, not like my chef friend friend Pandarina, you know, I don't have a French background because I do speak a little Creole, and I met some people up here, and when she taught me. I watched her, you know, she does demos all the time because that's part of the culture here in North Louisiana. So about a few weeks ago, I helped her with an event. You know, she needed some help. And I said, yeah, what you need me to do? And I, the basic stuff, you're getting ready for a catering event. She said, oh, uh, uh, can, I, can I get you to go make the hot water cornbread? I said, okay, we've got to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> I said, now, I'm versed on a lot of things. I said, she said, oh, you've seen me do it a dozen times. I said, you're going to have to come over and show me. And it's so simple, but it's so diverse because most people that are from South Louisiana, have ne- I've never heard of it until I moved here. So and what's what it is, the difference? The they call it- Go ahead. Yeah, so what's the difference in that and regular cornbread? I wish she was on the line because she's the cornbread expert. But the hot water cornbread is when you get uh, your cornmeal, 
you have to use hot, boiling, rolling water. In other words, the cornmeal is in the bowl, whatever seasonings you use uh, to season the cornmeal. And the, and the trick is, from uh, what I learned from her, the, the water has to be rolling, boiling, because it has to cook that cornmeal. It has to cook it. And you add just enough to make like a paste. You know, you don't want to make it soupy. And while it's, you pour the hot water, it's cooking the meal, and you're, you're constantly mashing it, I guess, to, to soften the grains. And then once it's at a, uh, I call it a pliable, you make like little corn patties or corn pones, and you fry it. But the water has to be boiling hot to cook that meal before you put it in the grease. And you know what? And now when I say that's a delicacy up here, it is up there with oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's so cool because you start to realize that, you know, a lot of our food came out of necessity. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it was, a you don't have an oven, you can't bake, you're cooking over a fire or fireplace. And so it makes perfect sense. And a lot of the, um, the very, almost 90% of it is, you know, African rooted through slavery, but what, like you said, necessity. Uh, or, uh, fat back was uh, available because of the, the butchering of the hogs, so they saved the oil, the fat. I mean, of course, now we all know that we have to monitor that because it, we know it's killing us, you know. But um, Moderation. Uh, yes, very, very moderate. But like I said, as when I was in my, like I said, when I was even back and forth, because I, I moved back to New Orleans in 70, ooh, 76. And even though I was back and forth, I was rooted in New Orleans with family and, you know, because I worked on Canal Street. Uh, and then when I would move back up here and, you know, there were, I would see things like pinto beans and then someone, they'd say, oh, uh, we've got chili beans today. And then I would, when I'd go and eat it, I was good, but I couldn't recognize the bean. And I said, well, they said, this is pinto beans. I'd never, my parents never bought pinto beans. We had red beans, of course. And with my father being from the Mandeville, Covington area, of course, they, his family had, um, you know, some property and they had their own garden. So I was familiar with some of the, like, the lima beans, pin- yeah. I mean, uh, purple hulls, and, you know, those kind of beans because they grew those. And, you know, I feel like, you know, as I'm flipping through the pages of your cookbook and it, it seems to be part family memoir, you know, part. Yeah recipes. So whenever, is there somebody in your family who was a historian? I don't think they may have thought they were historians, but they were ones that I got the most information from. And then you figure from that lineage, a lot of stuff that I was asking, whether, you know, not so much necessarily the the culinary part, questions about certain things with family. A lot of times people didn't back then didn't want to talk about it, you know, because it was it wasn't pretty, you know, or things that are acceptable today, people didn't talk about then. And, you know, I was one of those children, you know, I was very persistent, you know. They tell me I was a little flippant at the mouth, which I was, you know. <laughs> well, we all I were. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know why you didn't want to tell me. I had a great aunt. Um, she died in 99. She was my grandfather's sister. She was born in 1907, I think, and she was born in that side. Most of that side of the family were was born in either St. Francisville or the New Iberia area because her mother 
which was my great-grandmother, she was a cook, and I have it in the cookbook, at the McElhenney Plantation. Oh, wow. And my aunt would tell me, she said, oh, I remember one time we were, I was in New Orleans, we were talking about something, and I was going, she asked, I was picking up some Tabasco sauce or something, and she says, oh, you know, she said, my mom used to work there. She said, I used to go with her to catch the ferry when I was seven years old, and she said the ferry cost a nickel. I said, really? <laughs> I said, well, where were y'all going for a nickel? You know, I was, you know, for my, she said, just, she said to, to the Mac, she's called it Mac. She said the Mac plantation. Well, at that time I had no idea what that was. Right. I said the Mac plantation, where is that at? And then someone was telling me, she said, you know, uh, uh, we called her mommy. They said, mommy, Alberta used to be a cook on the McElhenney. I said, the Tabasco people really never knew that, you know, at that time, you know. And it just kind of comes together. I imagine it's kind of a rabbit hole you jump down that once you start doing a little research, it, it kind of hits your soul and then you you fall down the rabbit hole and then you follow the next lead and you just realize all the dots and the stories that are being connected. Yeah, and it, and it was very fortunate that both my paternal and maternal side, prior to my parents marrying, just so happened Many of them lived in the same neighborhood, and they knew each other because my father didn't move to the city until, if I remember, I think he moved in the city, actually moved 48 after his, now he was back and forth because his grandparents still lived in Mandeville on the family property, and um, he said he was back and forth every other weekend. In fact, that telling that story, my grandson a few years ago before my father passed away to show you how generationals think and just get a kick out of hearing it, my grandson asked my dad, he said, well, why did you have to keep going back? He said, well, he said, I was, he said, my oldest brother was gone. He was grown and gone. He said, and I would have to go back to the, they called it the country, the Bayou country. He said, I would have to go back and help chop wood. Of course, my grandson said, chop wood for what? <laughs> and my dad said, for the oven, for the stove. He said, the stove? <laughs> he didn't realize back that they had a wood stove. Yeah. And my grandson said, he looked at me. I said, yeah. They, he said, well, well Peppa, how old were you? He said, well, I was about, he said, I was a teenager, 14, 15. He said, I would catch the bus, whatever bus that was at the time. He said he would catch it on Rampart. What did he tell me? He said, but anyway, the bus was 52 cent round trip. And can you imagine how long it took? Yeah, because the, the causeway yeah. wasn't, I think they were, the causeway wasn't built. They that had was to go a through day Friday. trip. I'm sorry? I, that was probably like a day trip where they, um, yeah, all so, the way he around. Me, he, said, <laughs> he said he would pay 52 cents when he got on the bus and the guy, the man would give him, I guess, what we would what we would call a ticket, but like he said, it's just a piece of paper. They didn't have the technology they have now. He said, I, and he would drop me off. He said, I'd have to walk maybe like a, about a mile home. And he said, I'd spend the weekend. He said, I'd leave like Friday evening. He said, I'd go there. He said, I'd work in the garden. I'd chop wood, just whatever I needed to do. He said, and Sunday after church, I would meet wherever this was in Mandeville at the time. And he said, I'd get back to New Orleans. And, of course, my grandson couldn't get over that. He's like, chop wood for an oven? He couldn't, he, he couldn't comprehend that. You know? Well, did you make him uh, cook over an open fire after that so he could appreciate what they went through? <laughs> no, I didn't. I started to. I said, no, but I never got around to it, you know, because, like I said, at that time he was visiting. Of course, he lived in Canada with my son. But he even gets intrigued with certain things when I would say, you know, because my father was living. My father would just share stuff. And, you know, you figure to a, a teenager 
from the which would be the second generation because he's my grandson. He can't imagine his grandfather at that time in his early 80s being a boy. Right. You know, like, really? Like, you did so-and-so and so-and-so? And And I think my grandson asked him one time, because we both, we laughed about it. He said, what's the most trouble that you can remember you got into, Papa? My dad just cracked up. He says, trouble versus what you have today versus what when I was coming up. He said, him and some friends, uh, he said his mother got on him. They went to somebody's smokehouse and they were they took plugs out of a ham. <laughs> he said his mother got a switch and wore him out. <laughs> and all over a ham. <laughs> over a ham, yeah. Just, and they just took plugs out of it. I guess, you know, because the ham was smoking and it tastes good. Or, and he, he said he got in trouble for that. He said but that's the most trouble he could think of. Off the top well, of his head. well, it sounds like he was a pretty good guy. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> trouble he got into. I know, I know. So, Chef Pan, you know, as I'm flipping through the pages of your cookbook and I'm seeing the recipes, you know, I grew up here in South Louisiana, kind of same thing. My grandparents here in the city, I grew up in Ascension Parish. So Sunday dinner was always at Mama's house. But there are certain things that I go, oh, like that, like last night for dinner, I cooked chicken and dumplings for my husband. And it wasn't so much like we would have gumbo and maybe put the dumplings in the gumbo because we had gumbo left over. And but you start to see how like there are certain foods that you go, oh, this is the food of my childhood. This is the food I can connect with. Are I can there... connect with. Right, right, right. And that's what's very hard for me up here because, I mean, I, there was there's a lot of people up here, well, more so now because of Katrina, but pre-Katrina, people, again, got up here through the military or other forms of, of employment or whatever, but basically the military. So you had a lot of people that were below Alexandria that I could connect with, but I was so surprised at the difference of the food. And then, of course, when I talked to my South Louisiana people, we had the same thing about putting the potato salad in the gumbo. Yes. We knew about etouffee. Uh, we knew about – now, I only had one aunt that I did see, what you just mentioned about uh, chicken and dumplings and gumbo. I didn't see my parents do it, but I had seen it within my cultural circle. So are there any dishes that you go, if I taste this dish, if I eat this dish, it just brings me to a certain place in time? Yes. um, A garlic stuffed roast with rice. And my my mom would do like a succotash with corn and uh, lima beans. And I was also telling a lot of people, we didn't eat. We had cornbread growing up, both traveling as well as uh, being in New Orleans. But we had a lot of French bread. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, a couple, t- a few times my great grandmother with that Haitian background, we would have plantains. Ah. Part of, yes, we, we had plantains. Uh, not a lot, but a lot of times if I saw them on the table, I knew exactly, I could pretty much tell you what we were going to have. Plantains was, we would either have, um, Stew chicken or smothered pork chops. And the plantains is part of the, it's like, it's a bread, you know, like that was the, our starch. And you know what I love is whenever you said, uh, you know, like the, the, the roast, because as a kid, 
it was so exciting for me to like, you know, Sunday dinner, my dad would get the roast and he would cut the slits and then I could be the person that yeah. squished the garlic, the garlic in. in there, yeah. <laughs> and you realize... I, I used to do that too. My, my grandmother would do the slits and I would stuff the garlic in there. I'll be peeling the garlic to get it ready to be stuffed in there. So I'll tell you a funny story, Chef Pan. I... Uh, that was my favorite thing to do to help my dad. And as I got older and I didn't have to stand on the chair, you know, I was trusted with a little bit more oh, stuff. Yeah. And I was told, my mom said, get the garlic. And so I went and I I didn't go to the pantry. I went to the refrigerator and I got what I thought was the whole garlic. And <laughs> I break it down and I start to chop it and we stuff it in the roast. And my mom looks at me and she goes, where are my iris bulbs? Because she had put her oh. iris bulbs in the fridge to get them cold because we didn't oh, have a winter yeah. so she could plant them. And I had no idea a bulb was a bulb. And next thing you know, we had to call the uh, poison control just so you know you can't eat a roast stuffed with gar with iris bulbs. So <laughs> it was a good learning something. experience. That is, that is, that is funny. That so, is, but like you said, you didn't know at the time. Yeah. You know? So is there anything that you've done in your career as a chef that you go, oh, that was, that was a great learning experience. Either I will never do that again or this is my go-to every time. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm sure there are many. <laughs> so <laughs> what none of us are perfect, you know, by no means, you know. What advice do you have for home cooks out there who are like, I want to tackle the flavors of Cajun and Creole cuisine and I want to get to know this, but I'm I'm not a professional chef. What advice do you have to them as they're my advice getting started? Is try to, you know, I know now we have the age of Google. You know, you, you can look up anything. I mean, literally anything. But my advice for those who want to specialize, whether it's Cajun Creole or Asian, befriend someone of the culture. Yes. Befriend someone of the culture. Um, for example, um, I've had people ask me, well, what's the difference? You know, and of course, that's, that's, that's a controversial conversation. And a lot of people up here, uh, when I say up here, which is, in, and I mean that in a positive way, I've, uh, I went to a restaurant oh, some time back. And, you know, and again, from that tradition, though we traveled, but it still stayed in my family. I'm thinking Monday, I'm going to get a good bowl of red beans and rice. Yeah, they may have it on the menu, but that's not that's not the culture up here. They're not you're not going to find. I mean, you'll probably find red beans and rice. And then a lot of the restaurants I found, and of course, it blew me out of the water. But again, I'm in another part of the state. Many of them have red beans and rice on the menu, but it's really pinto beans. Yes, because it's what was common in the area. Bingo. And I, I think the first time that happened to me, we're talking several years ago when I moved back here. And I said, oh, I'm going to get some red beans today. And then somebody that knew me saying, oh, I know you because today's Monday. You're from you're from South Louisiana. I said, well, I said, do you? She said, oh, yeah, we got red beans today. Yeah. So she brought me a bowl. And, of course, they didn't look like red beans. I mean, it smelled good. It had sausage in it. She served it with some cornbread. But it was pinto beans. Well, and that's normal. That's 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 the norm up here, you know. So let's talk about beans for a second, because you know, with the Caribbean influence in your family, and yeah. you know, the way that different people cook the same bean. Because I had an opportunity to cook with a lady in Jamaica, and 
in my opinion, those those beans were way too tough. But here in New Orleans, we like them like mushed and kind of like creamy and smushy. So is it, you know, what's your opinion on like, is it by the bean, by the dish, the texture that it should be? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really sure. I know being from South Louisiana with my Haitian background, of course, you know, even though my grandmother had the, the Haitian background, she was born in Louisiana. Of course, we had red beans. We also had black beans, which mm-hmm. is a part of a nice, you know, a Caribbean uh, influence. But our beans were cooked pretty much either all day, overnight. And this is before crockpots came out. Yeah. You know? We've always had soft beans. Uh, they were creamy. And even I found, even now I cook black beans for myself personally. Um, I cook them, and they, I cook them a little longer because the black bean, the hull on the black bean is a little tougher. Yes. Uh, I have been on a cruise, and I have had uh, black beans or pigeon peas and other, uh, and they are a little tougher. I mean, they weren't raw, but they were tougher than what I am used to. I don't know the significance or the avenue for that or of that. I wish I knew, but I don't. I, all I know is that I... I'll take some of those beans and smush them with the uh, hand blender just so that I can make sure that my stuff is nice and creamy. Nice and creamy. That's right. And that was something, I think it's a South Louisiana slash New Orleans, because we were the same way. You know, something something had to be, of course, my my grandparents and my would cook them so long, sometimes we didn't have to mash them, you know, (laughs) Well, so I know we just have a little bit of time left, but I know that our listeners out there are going to be interested in your book. And also, I know you have seasonings and all that kind of fun stuff. So I do tell everybody where they can find out a little bit more about you. They can go to my website, which is www.sumas, which is my last name, Sumas, S-O-U-M-A-S, heritagecreole.com. And the, my branding is strictly due to my family influence. Uh, and as I, you know, I've had people have, that have tried to discourage me, saying, well, you know, everybody's doing that in New Orleans. Well, you know, we have a lot, like you said, a lot of people that are, because in New Orleans has such that diversity and flavor. I said, but my family, we're, we're a part of that. And I think my story is just as much of a niche or indigenous. But the products that I have are strictly based, uh, like my Creole Explosion. You know, it's uh, it's got a cinnamon stick because my grandmother, sometimes she would put a cinnamon stick at the end of her root. I don't know if that was something somebody passed on to her. Just some, There's some little bitty niche things. And I have a, a jambalaya mix and all of my seasoning, everything ties to the culture. In fact, my logo is called It's All in the History, which I got from my grandson. Accident, totally accident. And, you know, I love that. And I love that, you know, I, I will be the first to say I'm not going to argue with how anybody's mama or anybody's grandma cooked anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a cinnamon stick in your root, maybe that has something to do with being on the spice trade and the Caribbean influence. Who knows? But that's the way they did it. And it's the right way. Right. (laughs) Well, I've talked to some people that were from West Africa uh, and just befriending them because many of the slaves came from West Africa, Senegal, Ghana. And many of them have cinnamon in their their recipes or the cinnamon stick. And I, and I, when I heard, I said, "That's where that comes from. That's exactly where it comes from." 
Well, I love it, and I could talk to you all day, and I wish we had all day. But... Oh, me too, Chef Sam, and I'm so appreciative and so glad to do this. Well, for my listeners out there, we have been talking to Chef Pandarina Sumas, and she is up in North Louisiana. Her heart and soul is in all of Louisiana, I can tell. Absolutely. And I encourage y'all to, to check her out uh, and get her book and, you know, I'm going to give that that cinnamon a try and just see how that changes things. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So for our listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sense. Until next time, ciao.